0: I was away for a week. A lot of things happening around this city and around this country. And a couple of issues that I wanted to bring out today with our podcast. You know, something happened up in the county of Yonkers, which is right north of New York. Now, what they had together is they put a joint task force of FBI agents, DEA, and local regular cops up there. And what happened was they were buying guns, illegal guns. And then they were going to, they had a warrant and they were serving a warrant to lock up these people selling illegal guns. And then we had a hero detective. His name is Brian Menton. Now, Brian Menton is a detective from Yonkers and he was one of the people that were placing these people under arrest. And then all of a sudden, point blank from underneath his sweatshirt, he ends up shooting. Now, these are all cops there. They know exactly who they are. He ends up shooting this young officer in the stomach. Brian Menton was shot in the stomach. And what happened was Brian, to me, is one real tough cop as far as I'm concerned. He went down. Now, here's the unusual thing. Part of this task force, part of this task force was his brother and his brother, Brian Menton's brother was there and he now is the detective who is a New York detective He, he worked as a New York detective he's part of this task force also and this was Brian Menton he was shot and he listens to our podcast too his brother was a New York City detective is still a New York City detective and he is another hero. And what he did was he actually took his brother and he threw him in the back of the car and he ran and he took him to Jacoby hospital. Thank God he rushed him because a lot of people don't understand when you get a stomach wound, when you're shot in the stomach, what happens is all the waste in your intestines and all the poisons go throughout your body. A lot of times that Kills you. So the matter of time to get him to the hospital is so important. Now the New York City detective that was there is Detective James Menton. Just happened to be there when his brother was going to get shot. Now here's a little thing: Detective Brian Menton from Yonkers had one week to go. He was about to retire. I think he was around 47 years old, and he was looking forward to retiring, finishing up the job that he got shot. His brother then, like I said, James Menton, New York City detective, throws him in the car, rushes him to Chicahobie Hospital. Now, James Menton now, the New York City detective, was partners with Mike Ceravola's nephew. Mike Ceravola was the president of my company, and he was partners with him, with my with Nicky DiGuardio. And Nicky DiGuardio's partner was Brian his brother, James Menton. Now, I bring this up because this is the danger that is every day out there for all our people in New York City, around across the country. I mean, we're having these problems across the country. And I've been talking about this. Now, this was a task force, a federal task force. Thank God the FBI agent that was on the scene part of the task force opened up and shot this piece of garbage. I'm going to use the word scumbag because Famous congresswoman uses it all the time. This little scumbag who shot Detective Menton was shot dead by the FBI agent, which, again, quick action, quick action by his brother, thrown him in the car and rushed him to Jagobi Hospital. He's going to be okay, thank God. He's going to survive this shot to the stomach and hit the gun actually jammed. Otherwise, he might have gotten a few more shots off before we were able to manipulate and end his fury there. Again, this anti-gun unit in New York City is a great, great thing. But I've been saying for a long, long time about bringing in that task force. We cooperate. We request from the U.S. Attorney's Office, for the Southern District and the Eastern District, which covers New York City. And we should be requesting that the FBI, DEA, and the ATF work together with these task force on guns, on specific buying of guns and all that, and then they could be federally prosecuted because we certainly know with this anti-gun unit what's happening. All the arrests they've been making, every one of them has been now released and with no with no bail. I mean, some of these judges, I hope I say these judges name right, the Bronx DA's office and Judge Cherie de uh, Papa, uh, Papa Khan, whatever the hell her name is, she was appointed by Big Bird De Blasio, my nemesis, and appointed her. And then we had another judge, Phyllis Chu, appointed by Big Bird De Blasio. All these liberal friggin' judges are all appointed. And then we got this other garbage can of a judge, a judge Laura Johnson in Brooklyn. All they're doing is they're taking these cases. Some of these cases are un, not under the guidelines of them being released. They should be set bail, and these judges are losing their culliunis. But then again, these female judges don't have culliunis. Well, they're losing their whatever they got, and they're not setting bail for them. And a lot of these, you can't say it's under the guidelines. A lot of these are in the guidelines where bail should be set. Now, if you have judges, and judges are supposed to be a judge, making decisions, judicial decisions. If they're not going to make the decision, let's get rid of these judges. Let's put a clerk in there because all they're doing is using a clerk, just releasing them. And that's what's happening right now. And these judges, you could pick up the New York Post and you could read their names. And I think they should all be called out upon what's going on with releasing them with no bail whatsoever. they are back on the street and – they're doing the same thing over and over. And then one of the little tricks they do is they let the underage child, child, the underage kid carry the gun because they know damn well if they're under 17 years of age, they're certainly not going to have any kind of consequences. And they go out there and, you know, it's just, it's just horrible, horrible what's going on right now. And, you know, we've been talking about this. And the mayor came on here. He sounded real good about the crime, my friend, Mayor Eric Adams. And now he's talking about the cops on the cell phone. You want to know some? Maybe people are not going to like it. But I agree with one thing. Cops should not be on their cell phone. Cops should not be on a cell phone, except if there's a, a personal call that's an emergency or something like that. But I see it with my own eyes. And Eric Adams ain't wrong for calling it out. These cops are on their phone. They're looking at these Social media crap. you got to be observant. You're a police officer. Your job is to be observant. Your job is to see if a crime is going to be committed. So I kind of agree with him. And I know my friend Sid and everyone else doesn't agree with that. But I'm sorry. In reality, we didn't have those stupid cell phones. You had more attention you could pay on the criminal element instead of looking at uh, social media or, or that candy ball game or whatever other moron stuff that you use on your iPhone. And it's true. They should not be on their iPhones unless it's some kind of a family dealing or an emergency or using the iPhone to get some criminal I- information and all that. It's it's a really true sight. And as far as police officers being able to be sued in the performance of their rightful duties and they're doing a good job, I think it's wrong. And we also had another tragedy that happened in New York City. And I have a lot of friends who are from the fire department. We lost a firefighter, a real firefighter, only 31 years old. His name is Timothy Klein. And he rushed like many of my brave firefighters do. And he comes from Rockway, Breezy Point area. And he gave his life trying to save. There was a kid that I think was autistic or little problems, and he was rushed into that house to save him. The house thing collapsed, and he was killed, and he gave his life. And he's really, really a true hero as far as I'm concerned. And all the firemen, you know, a lot of people say, oh, firemen, firemen, don't do much of anything. They eat. They work out. They do it. Yeah, but when there's a fire baby, they're the ones that are running in there. So they are truly same heroes as my law enforcement officers are out there that face off with a guy with a gun. I tell you what, I'd rather face off with a guy with a gun than run into a house with a burning fire with smoke bellowing out. That's true heroism also. So cops and firemen to me are the same. And if we lose a fireman or we lose a cop, to me, there's no lesser hero than our hero cops and our hero firemen. And it's very important that we realize that without these first responders, we don't have anything. And, you know, we were just talking the other day about what was going on with this woman in, in Forest Hills. We talked a little bit about it on our shows over the week. And her name was Ursaloa Gal, G A L L. So, what happens with her, she was married, she is married to a gentleman, very successful businessman, has two beautiful sons. One son's looking for a college and the other son, they all lived home together. Had a magnificent home over there in Forest Hills, high end, beautiful. Probably the house is worth three, 4 million bucks because that's exactly the area that they're in. So now she gets involved and she goes to the cheating side of town and she gets this little look like one of my gardeners that I fired and his name, this little creep, his name was David Bonola. And sure enough, they find out that David Bonola went across the old Rio Grande River into the United States. He was illegally in this country like so many millions in our country right now. He's an illegal person in our country. Now, he was working, he became a handyman, and then all of a sudden this woman decided to go on to the cheating side of town. And, And people that I know from law enforcement told me it wasn't just him. She thought she was like a you have a playboy. She thought she was a playgirl. So the problem is, I believe, what happened is this guy here had an affair with her for over two years on and off. The husband would work his ass off, and he would then bring home the bacon, get a nice living for her. And then all of a sudden, she decides that she wants to go on the cheating side of town with this guy. Now, I'm sure she would be meeting him. Then she actually would bring him into the house at some times and there's supposedly others too. But at this time I believe she decided, Now, Mr David Bonilla, me no wanna have loving what you I wanna break this up. But Mr David Bonella didn't want to hear that. What do you mean you cut it? And God knows how much money she was giving him too, and he decided to follow her home one night after she was out all night. She was in a cocktail bar that was near the house and he must have followed her back to the house that night around 1230 like that. And then all of a sudden he gets in the house. There must've been a real serious argument confrontation. She, she probably told him, Hey, listen to me, Bonilla, check out of here. I don't want to be around you anymore. I'm going to be with my husband and I don't want you in, around me anymore. And there's no job here. He couldn't handle it. He ends up stabbing her, I think 58 or 60 times in a body, real violent, murder. And my experience with murders are when someone gets stabbed sixty times, there's some anger behind that. In other words, it's it's not just something that happens. And then this jerk, Ponila, he puts her in a bag I don't know what was going through his mind. And he drags this soccer bag or whatever it was, hockey bag, through the streets. He walks four blocks, dragging a bag with her body in it. And he doesn't dump her. Now, this is Park Lane South over there. I know the area very well. And he doesn't dump it in the woods. He leaves it right off the sidewalk there, dumps the bag four blocks away. I don't get the whole thing. If you killed somebody... When you want to get your butt out of there as fast as you could, and not just carry the body around, but this jerk actually carried the body around. It wasn't a real difficult investigation because there was a lot of evidence on her cell phone. Then this moron—I call him a moron murderer, MM—that's the new name, moron murderer, Vanilla. All of a sudden, he actually texts the husband because he was so smart. He thinks he's going to throw the cops off. He goes. I'm going to kill the rest of your family. You're next. He sends a text to the husband. Real genius. And the cops were able to find the contacts and all that. They were able to get DNA because he cut his finger. And when he was stabbing her, I guess, when he was with the downstroke, he stabbed him. So that happens a lot. When you stab somebody 60 times... Things happen, you know, and he actually cut his own hand there, which I'm sure his DNA was all over there. And the great detectives of the New York City Police Department were able there in a quite quick way, were able to find out who actually did the murder. And again, there were some other leads, and you're hearing it from me, there were some other people that Miss Gal there was on the cheating side of town. So in other words, there were some other, quote, suspects, probably some other lovers that were suspects. But this guy here lost his cookies when he realized the party was over. The love machine was over. The money machine was over. Now you got to get out of here. He couldn't handle it. Here's the real G, the knee-jerker on this one. They found out through the investigation this moron, Vanilla, the murdering moron, had a YouTube channel under his own name. And on the YouTube channel, what he did Was he had these violent shootings, rapes, and murders, all these high profile crimes. And he actually had a YouTube show with his name on it where he was looking at all this violence. This guy's a real sicko, a real psychopath, as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, watching him being walked out of the precinct, he really burned me out. He was like yelling at the cops, cursing at them, cursing at the news people, and all that. This is a perfect example. What they should do is, what the hell was the name of that electric chair? Sparky. Sparky. We used to have that in New York State. Old Sparky. And we should light that baby up. For perfect example, Mr. David Bonilla should be the first one to experience Sparky's overthrown electrocution Ill value. And they should fry this son of a bitch. I feel that way about it. And what he did to that woman was horrific. And that just shows you... You know, what's going on in our society today is all this social media crap, people thrive off that, and people long to watch all this violent stuff. Again, we had this hero firefighter who was killed in the line of duty. They're going to be having their funeral for him in my heart and my soul. His dad was a fireman. His two uncles, I believe, were firemen. I think his grandfather was even a fireman. Then he actually did the eulogy for another firefighter who was killed now a couple of months ago, this young man, this firefighter actually did the eulogy for another firefighter who was killed. And I'm going to tell you something. Guys like this, I really take my hat off how they run into these fires. They're real heroes. And not just they. They're not all he's either. We have a lot of female firefighters that are adrenaline one heroes just like Timothy Klein, and my heart and soul goes out to the family and also to our hero cop Brian Menton from Yonkers and his brother. My heart and prayers go out that he has a quick recovery, and I'm glad that they extinguished the rodent that shot him and the FBI officer who shot him. Congratulations to you. Well, you know what would have happened probably on this new bail reform guy would have probably been out shooting other people so that here we go again and anyway, it just keeps coming up over and over all these liberal judges if they're going to not give bail why don't we just fire them all like i said i being repetitive let's have a clerk in there so we can release them and you know what i look forward to anybody who has any questions or wants me to talk about any specific things you can email me at www.investigations.com. At uh, my email is bo bo at investigations.com. And certainly, you can ask me any questions you want, or if you have a problem or something like that—an old cold case, murder case, or some kind of a case—you always can get me, and I'm available to talk with anybody. Our company's been in business for 38 years. We do all kinds of investigations. We do corporate investigations where we investigate corporations, individuals. So before you put an investment together, why don't you know who you're dealing with? It could cost you a couple of dollars, but it'll save you a lot of money in the long run behind. And again, at Bodito Associates, for 38 years, we've rescued kids. We've talked about it on my podcast out of Istanbul, Turkey, out of Denmark. We've done investigations worldwide on the dangers of the drugs coming into the country and the counterfeiting of drugs that took us to Kashmir, Pakistan. We actually became lobbyists in Washington. I lobbied 40 United States senators on the dangers of the imported drugs. So we do a little bit about everything. And when you bring us in at Bo Associates, you're bringing hundreds of years of experience and anybody who would like to get any more information. You can contact me at Bo, B-O, at investigations, with an S, dot com. And we're going to now, we're going to leave today, and we're going to be back next week with some more current events and what's going on. And again, whatever's on your mind, please send me an email, okay? And we'll be talking to you soon, and thank you for tuning in. Thank you.